We're kicking off a brand new series today uh, that I really hope and pray will help all of us, all y'all will help all of us as a church uh, grow spiritually and really move forward together as a church. And that, uh, you know, later down the road, that together we would look back at this and say, you know, that was, that was kind of a, a good turning point for me. Or that was a time when, when God really spoke to me and I, you know, got some real traction going in my, in my spiritual life. And the name of the series is My Bad Church Experience. I was sitting in Starbucks. I know you find that hard to believe. I was actually only there, I think I was only sitting there once all of last week, for those of you who think I have a problem. And it was Friday morning, and I was there, and there was uh, a friend there that I've, I've gotten to know uh, through my Starbucks ministry, and uh, she asked if I was preaching this Sunday, and I said I was, and then I thought, well, I'm just going to uh, tell her what the series is, and I, and I said it out loud, and there was another person there who heard, and heard me say, yeah, we're starting a new series this Sunday called My Bad church experience. Now, she wasn't in the conversation, right? She was sitting in another chair. Well, she spit out loud. So like, like this. <laughs> and her eyes got big, and she said, I'm sorry, I can't help myself, but like, wow, that, that ought to be, you know, something. Like, are you really doing that? And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're going there. We're going there right now. So, so here we are. So I hope that, um, that this series will, will diffuse um, some of the reasons that people avoid church Hopefully it'll, it'll equip you when you're having conversations with people who just, they, they just, they give you the hand and uh, they've got all their reasons. Hopefully this will, you know, give us some, some, some verb, verbiage to share with people. Um, maybe people you know will watch us online, like maybe you'll go home today and get on Facebook or whatever and say to so-and-so, hey, you know, I, th- I think you would enjoy this. Maybe you can watch this later. Maybe that'll help some people. If it does, hey, hello online. Thanks for joining us. Glad you're watching. Um, and maybe people will decide, you know, to give church another shot. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be cool if God used this to, yeah, that would be cool. And maybe some of you here today still have some pretty deep church wounds and and maybe you'll find healing today from uh from this series that would be awesome if we could pass the mic and we won't but if we could (laughs) if we could pass the mic here this morning i bet that each of us could share a story or two or 12 about our own bad church experiences gail and i have we've got several doozies and we work for the church and, and we, got, we got some stuff back there that's just, just ugh. Like the day a lady from the church showed up at our house unannounced to tell my wife not to come to prayer meeting if she was going to wear pants. That was a fun day. Yeah, true story. Um, many of you would remember Pastor Carl Ingersoll served on staff here for, yeah, oh, Carl. Everybody loves Carl. Uh, he served on staff here for, I don't know, 15, 18, a bunch of years, long time. My father used to teach Carl Ingersoll in Sunday school until one of the men in the church came to my dad. My da- See, my dad was Baptist and my mom's Wesleyan. If that will help the story make sense for some of you. And one of the men in the church came to my dad and said, you need to be teaching these little boys about sinless perfection, that they will never sin again. 
And if you don't teach them sinless perfection, you cannot teach them anymore. And so my dad stopped teaching them. And then one day on Grandma and Ann, the man who said this to my father passed my father on a solid line and sped off into the distance. And my father thought that was rather hypocritical of Mr. Sinless Perfection. And his whole life, like he carried the sting of that. Like, I don't know how many times he told me that story. And I'm like, Dad, yeah, I, you've told me that before. And that's obviously a, a, a stinging point for you. Like, that still bugs you all these years later, Dad. You're still talking about, you know what he drove. You know the color of the car. Like, you know everything about that. You can picture this guy who, who told you to, to teach the boys that way or you couldn't teach again and how he passed you. Like, you told me that a, a thousand times or whatever. The church is far from perfect because it's full of people who are far from perfect. Here we are. <laughs> We're all here. Here we are. And, and that, that doesn't excuse wrong, hurtful behavior. And I love the church. I've been, I'm giving my life to serve the church. But I also know that the church has been brutal at times. And there are real reasons why the whole world isn't lining up to go to church on Sunday mornings. The church, with all of its blemishes, is God's idea. Jesus was clearly building a, a gathering of people who would follow his teaching, who would follow God's word, who would serve the poor and the helpless, and they would share the message of good news with the world. And Jesus himself is the foundation of the church. He's the, the cornerstone that the church is built on. And then Jesus took Peter and he said, okay, I'm going I'm to start with you. You're the first one. And we're going to build everything else on top, of, on top of you. Yeah, yeah, I know that you denied me a few times. And, uh, and I know that, that we've had our moments. And I know that I, I, even one time I had to call you Satan. That was a bad day, Peter. But still, in spite of all that other stuff, Peter, you are the rock. And upon my church, you know, and on, on you, I will build my church. So the first leader of the church, Peter, had his own issues, and the church has been imperfect ever since. Built on Christ, blessed by God, but messy. And Jesus said that he would build his church, and the gates of hell, you know, the powers of hell, would not be able to, to overcome it. Several places of the Bible refers to the church as the bride of Christ. Uh, Paul tells husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church, giving his life for it, making her holy and, and clean, paying the ultimate sacrifice for her so that, so that she, the church, could be presented to God like a bride, holy, pure, and without fault. And all the wives applaud and say, come on, husbands, get with it. Yeah, treat me like, treat me like that. Love me the way that Jesus loved the church. Well, one did. Okay. <laughs> Where are you, wives? No, they didn't dare. Or or, oh, I get it. Their husbands already do treat them that way. That's it. That's it. Okay. All right. Uh, that's good. Hey, build up the men. That's good. You're doing a good job, honey. Keep up the good work. Fold that laundry. All right. I do. I do. All right. Uh, I still believe in church. I still believe in in church, I believe it is the hope of the world. There is nothing like the local church when the local church is working right. In the world, our world that we live in, Moncton, let's just make it personal here, Moncton, 
is desperately searching for hope and for meaning and for purpose and direction and community and love and forgiveness and grace and mercy. And the answer for all that brokenness is found in Jesus Christ and the church exists to share that message with the world. We only have four weeks to hit four bad church experiences, so I might not get yours. And, uh, and for this one, we didn't ask you to, you know, to submit them so that we could pick through and you know, kind of find the, the whoppers and the doozies, but, but we know that they're out there. We, on, we only got four, four weeks here, and so we're going to pick uh, four, obviously, that, that I feel we need to address. And the one that we're talking about today can be something that, that's really deep and nasty for some people like my father. Um, and it becomes a true stumbling block to them. And, and it keeps them away from church. Um, and for others, I think it's just something that quickly comes to their mind. And they just throw it out there because it changes the subject. And, and I honestly think that's, that's what happens sometimes. So you've probably either felt this way or you've heard someone say the church is full of hypocrites right you can you can finish the sentence the church is is full of hypocrites yeah and apparently it always has been in Galatians chapter 2 Paul the apostle Paul who wrote like more than half of the New Testament approaches he confronts Peter for being a hypocrite imagine two giants and you have Paul approaching Peter uh, and confronting him for being a hypocrite Peter, the guy who Jesus picked to build the church on, and Paul takes him on and says, hey, buddy, you're not practicing what you're preaching. And uh, maybe Peter, maybe that's what Peter had in mind when he wrote 1 Peter chapter 2. So that's where we're going to go this morning for uh, most of our texts. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, where Peter says, so get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, and then here's our word, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you can grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest through the mediation of Jesus Christ. You offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor. And anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, Peter says, you who, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that, that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But, Peter says, you're not like that. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can, sh you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness and into 
his wonderful light. You, once you had no identity as a people, now you're God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you've received God's mercy. Dear friends of Moncton Weston, I warn you, as temporary, <laughs> they're temporary. I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. And in verse 12, this could be the theme verse for this entire series. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. I mean, isn't that convicting for, for really, for all of us? It is for me. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you, the whole church, they're all, I'm telling you, they're all the same. Even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. In our language, hypocrite almost always has a negative meaning, but it didn't start out that way. Originally, a hypocrite was an actor, uh, someone in a play or a skit, uh, who was they were pretending to be something that they're not. They were wearing a mask or a costume, or they became, they, they, they took on another character, they took on a role and tried to fool you and uh, tried to entertain you that way. Uh, they were intentionally trying to fool people or to cause people to forget who they really were. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs do this all the time. Um, <laughs> hey, come back next week. I'll get the Habs. We'll, we'll come back next week. We'll just offend everybody. Um, you wouldn't go to a, a play or a, a, to, at the theater this afternoon and, and say, oh, those people are, are hypocrites. You know, you, you wouldn't do that. That would be, well, if you did, that'd be very weird. But that's actually what the word means. And when we see this word in Scripture, we know that it's talking about someone who's got, they've got two different deals going on at the, at the same time. There's a disconnect, disconnect between what they say they believe and actually how they behave. The, the, there's a disconnect there. It doesn't line up. Their words don't match with their verbs. Their speech is out of sync with their teach, there's a disconnect. And Peter has learned his lesson on these things. And when he writes in 1 Peter chapter 2, now he's, he's speaking to us out of his own experience. And he says, trust me, trust me, I've been there and I've done that and it, and it doesn't work. And I can tell you from personal experience that these, are, these types of things will mess up your life. It'll mess up your relationship with Jesus Christ. And so he says in verse 1, he says, be done with all deceit is the first word that he uses. He says, be done with all deceit. Imagine Peter reflecting back on, on the time when he denied even knowing Jesus. There the night before Jesus' crucifixion, and people are saying, you were, you were with him. You were one of those. You were one of his disciples. And three times Peter says, I don't know what you're talking about. I never met the guy. You got the wrong dude. It wasn't, it wasn't me. And so he writes to us about deceit. And he says, get that stuff. Get that junk out of your, out of your life. And then, he's, and then he mentions hypocrisy. And maybe he was thinking back to Galatians chapter 2 with Paul getting up in his grill and saying, you, hey, Peter, you say that the gospel is for everyone, and now, and now you won't even go and eat with uncircumcised Gentiles. 
And, and, and Paul says, it's wrong, Peter. And he confronts him. He says, you're, you're being a hypocrite. And you can't, you can't live that way. You're not practicing what you preach. And then the third thing that, that Peter mentions here is jealousy. And I don't know how much this affected Peter or not, but we know that the disciples, uh, they, they jostled for position, and they talked about, well, he likes me more than you, and, and I'm going to be his favorite, and Jesus, I'm gonna, who's going to sit beside you in heaven, Jesus? Is it going to be me? And we know that there was this kind of uh, you know, bravado amongst the, the disciples, that sort of stuff. And then he mentions unkind speech. And uh, Peter is remembered as being, you know, kind of, kind of brash and harsh and uh, certainly outspoken. And I imagine that Peter had some, some words that he'd, he'd like to get back. And, and, and you can't get them back, can you? Like, it's, it's, it's out. And, and, he's, and he says, look, as, as followers of Jesus, we need, to be, we need to be careful with the way that we live. And we need to be done with deceit and hypocrisy and jealousy and unkind speech. And this is clear. Peter points directly to these four things, and, and he calls them evil behavior. I mean, that's clear. That's pretty, pretty strong language, right? I mean, let's not, let's not soften it up and try to, try to say, oh, well, you know, this, you know stuff happens. And, you know, all that. I mean, Peter says it's evil behavior. And he says that these are things that, that you can overcome. He says, be done with them. He wouldn't say be done with them if you couldn't be done with them. He says, be done with them because these are things that, that we can get past, that we can move, move beyond and, uh, and overcome. Put them in your past. Walk away from them. Move on uh, to new life in Jesus Christ. You don't have to be a slave to these things anymore. And so, obviously, this morning, we're going to dig deeper on one of those things, on hypocrisy. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus absolutely nuked the Pharisees the religious leaders, because of the disconnect between their external actions and their internal attitudes. Now, this is a, this is a, a particular type of, of hypocrite. This is the person who's doing everything they can do on the outside to make everyone think that they're close to God, but they are totally messed up on the inside. It's that kind of a hypocrite. On the outside... They're, they're trying to fool everyone, make everybody think that they're, they're almost perfect with God, but on the inside, they're a mess. Now, most people of the day, in Jesus' day, would have thought that, that the Pharisees were the, the holiest of holy, like they were the holy ones. Everybody, everyone would have thought that. If anyone is getting in, it's these guys. They follow the laws to perfection. They study this stuff all day, every day. They do things in public that, that displays their devotion to God, like everybody knows because they're, they're so public with their, with their faith. And time and time again, Jesus ripped into these guys and, and he said things like, you know, you see that, that poor, uh, old, little, little old widow who's putting in her tiny, tiny, tiny little offering? She, Jesus said, is more righteous than all of these guys with their hyped-up holiness. I mean, he really went after, went after these guys. So if somebody tells you that they don't come to church because of all the hypocrites, tell them they're in good company. Jesus didn't like the hypocrites either. He didn't like hypocrisy either. It, it, it really, really bothered him. And Jesus uncorks on this in Matthew chapter 23 because he knows how, how damaging this can be. 
And to the Pharisees, I mean, right to them, he says that, that, that they crush others with their unbearable demands, and yet they won't lift a finger to help someone in need. He says everything they do is for show. They love to sit at the head table and look important. They love the accolades that they receive from people as they walk down the street looking holy. And then, the, then Jesus says, but then they shut the door on people who want to come closer to God. And he calls them blind guides. And he calls them blind fools. And he says, you're like cups that are all nice and clean on the outside, but you look on the inside. It looks like, like a coffee mug in, in, in my office. And it's all, it's got the residue on the very bottom in, in there. He says, you're, you're clean on the outside, but you're filthy on the inside. And he says, you're like whitewashed tombs. He said, you look really, really good on the outside, but you're dead and you're decaying on the inside. And then he takes it up a notch. It's like the whole Matthew, Matthew 23 just kind of escalates. Like, and he totally uncorks on these guys. And he calls them snakes. <laughs> and he calls them sons of vipers. And over and over he says to them, what sorrow awaits you? Like it's just, like really, Jesus, tell us how you feel about this. You know? And he says, you will reap what you're sowing. You're, you're not getting away with anything. There's a masquerade, and someday your masquerade is going to be over, and God will be the final judge of you. It's like, wow, okay, so that was clear. Um, all right, we, yeah, we know how you feel about, we know how you feel about that. So I'm um, going to go to the notepad here this morning. I haven't done this in like ever here. And... Um, going to kind of give us some categories of spiritual growth, and, uh, and we're going gonna, gonna to unpack it in a minute. If, if you don't fit into one of these categories, this is just an illustration. Don't email us, okay? I mean, you can email us, but, but I'm not trying to cover every single person in the whole church. So the first one that, that we'll put down here is... An explorer. Explorer is someone who um, comes to church and they're really just checking it out. They've not crossed any line of faith in Christ and they're, 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 they're exploring. They're interested. They might be curious. They, um, and, and they just keep coming. And, uh, and I hear, actually, I, I, I love it when people like this are, are quite open with me and they'll say, um, I'm coming closer. And you know, don't stop giving those invitations at the end of the service because someday it might be me. Like, I literally have people telling me that. And then I say, well, you know, I'm going to be, I thank them. And I say, I'll be, I'll be praying for you. And they're just, they're just explorers, okay? Um, I'm no good without my notes, so I've got to go back here and look and see. All right, the next one is uh, a new believer. You're all waiting for me to spell something wrong. Okay, the next one is a new believer, which we, we have many, and, um, and you should always have, this is, this is the nursery of the church, right? And you should always have uh, new, new babes coming to Christ all the time. You always want new believers. Like, you, if you can't remember the last time somebody came to Jesus, uh, that's a problem. Like, if you can't remember the last time somebody was baptized, that's a problem. And so, 
We've always got new believers around Moncton Wesleyan. These are people who are growing in Christ. They're learning what it means to follow Jesus. They might, they might stumble at times, but you get back up. Uh, come to church, you know, as often as you can. Um, and, and come on Sunday morning and, and reset and, and, you know, get a, a good spiritual shot in the arm and then get back out there during the week. And this is, this is beautiful, right? Um, and you're following Jesus. You're in love with Jesus. You're doing your best to get rid of all evil behavior. This person is not a hypocrite. This is, this is a new believer. Oh, this person isn't either, by the way, the explorer. They're not either. But, but the new believer who stumbles and gets back up is, is, not a, is not a hypocrite, okay? This is a genuine Christ follower. And, and, if, and if this person does stumble and fall, and if, if it's public or others know about it, the best thing that they can do is say, hey, I'm sorry, and uh, I'm a work in progress, and I'm, I'm getting my training wheels on here, and I'm learning, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm you know, growing closer to Jesus every day, but I'm, but I'm, but I'm, but I'm sorry for, for what I did. And just to, you know, keep genuinely working out your faith. All right. So the next one we're going to say is a person who is close to Christ. Close to Christ. Okay, this is the, the, next, the next one. And this, is, and this person is evident in their daily life. They're, they have a love for others, love for Jesus, uh, their habits, their spiritual disciplines, their, um, their attitude. They're not, I mean, they're not perfect. They're not perfect, but they, you know, they're still going to mess up. But they're growing. They're, they're dialed into God's word. They're, in, they're reading their Bible. They're, they're into the spiritual disciplines, dialed into the Holy Spirit. And um, the next one up here we're going to put is, is Christ-centered. Did I spell that right? Hello? Where are my school teachers? Okay. Centered? All right. So, fully surrendered, fully devoted. Um, you know, people here are often prayer warriors in the church. Um, and I mean, they're not perfect either, but, but these people are sharing their faith often, quite often. New believers share their faith a lot too. New believers are really excited about yeah, everything's new and they're like telling everybody what, what God's doing in their life and they really share their faith a lot as well. Uh, Christ-centered, most these people are almost always active in the church. They just, they just feel like a responsibility, like I need to be serving somewhere. Um, most often Christ-centered people are tithing. They just get it. It's, it's just... It's just normal for them. It's just a way of life. It's just, they just, they, that's what they do. Um, it's not, no big deal to them whatsoever. They give joyfully. And um, so, so, so that's, you know, four, four kind of broad categories. Again, you might not fall into one of those. Um, okay, it's just an illustration. So what I'm going to do is go, I'm going to put another person on here this morning to help us kind of, kind of um, make sense of this a little bit. And, um, and let's put this person, let's put this person here, and I'm going to use a different word than hypocrite, and we're going to call this person, we're going to, we're going to title this category, poser. Poser. And a poser is someone who only comes to church to make others think that they're a believer, and it's a charade. 
It's a masquerade, and they know it. And what, what posers are often oblivious to is that everybody else knows it too, but they don't, they don't think everybody knows it. And, and this is dangerous. This person can cause others to stumble. This person can cause others to stumble. Now, this, I believe, I believe that most of us, this, this here, is, this is like the vast majority of our church. And I think this is a really, really, really small percentage. Actually, if we could have all the posers stand up right now, then we could find out exactly... <laughs> We could count and do the math and find out what the percentage is. And when someone says, the church is full of hypocrites, I think, no, it's not. No, it's not. I, th- I think it's full of honest people. Like, explorers are very honest people. And we're, we're, we, need, we need explorers. We need more and more and more explorers. And, and the new believers are, they're new believers and they're doing their best. And, and, and close to Christ, you could still mess up. And Christ-centered, you know, there's, there's few people who are actually really making a joke out of it and playing, playing games with God. Uh, very small percentage. Is the church full of imperfect people? Yeah. Is it full of hypocrites? I don't think so. Okay. Let's go back. We're going to come back to that in a second. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Can we get that on the screen? Like newborn babies, you must crave spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. So what, we're, what, I mean, what we pray for every week is that explorers will cross the line of, of faith and, and become new believers and then Peter says, as newborn babes in Christ, we need to, we need to crave this spiritual nourishment. We, we, need to, we need to press on. We need to want more and more and more. We need to hunger for the things of God. Don't, don't stop here. Like, this is a great, this is the starting place. Don't stop here. This is just the beginning. Let's, let's figure out, you know, how do we grow in Christ and how do we become Christ-centered People, like newborn babies, crave the pure spiritual milk. Peter says to, to, to crave it every night at 8 o'clock. Why do I crave a big bag of potato chips? Am I alone? Every night, 8 o'clock, where are the chips? Where are the chips? You know, like that first cup of coffee in the morning. Crave it. Grow. You were born into Christ so that you could grow into Christ-likeness. You were born into Christ so that you could grow into Christ-likeness and grow into a full experience of salvation. Our vision here at Moncton Wesley Church is that we would be people inviting people to experience and follow Jesus. We, don't, we want people to, to experience Jesus right here, and we want people to follow Jesus right here, and we want people to grow and become more and more like Jesus. So uh, we want people to crave for more and grow and follow and become fully devoted followers of Jesus. There will always be posers, and they remind us that we're broken. 
We need a savior. The world is messed up. And Jesus came to be the light in our darkness. Uh, Let's look at verse 9. Peter says in verse 9 that we can show others the goodness of God because he's called us out of darkness and into his glorious light. You are not like that. You're a chosen people, a royal priest, a whole, whoa, whoa, back, 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 back. A holy nation, God's very own possession. Okay. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. That's a progression. That's a progression. We step into the light when we come to Jesus. We leave our darkness behind. And then we walk in the light of his truth. His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, the psalmist has said. We let the light of God's word and the fire of his Holy Spirit shine into the deepest places of our lives. And he purifies us and he cleanses us and he changes us and he equips us to be genuine followers of Jesus Christ. Okay, now back to verse 4. We're kind of hopping around. We went from 2 to 9, and now back to 4. You with me? This is yes. Bobblehead church, this is yes. All right. Verse 4, he says, you are coming to Christ. You're coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's, uh, God's temple. You are coming to Christ. Peter puts the focus on Jesus. And remember, this is the guy who Jesus said he would build his church on. And Peter is very humble and very clear. He says that Jesus is the foundation of the church. He's the cornerstone. He's the rock that all the other rocks will be built on. He is eternal. He is everlasting. He is the one you can build your life on. And Moncton Wesleyan Church is being built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. That's, he's everything. He's everything. And it's, it's understandable. It's understandable that, that people can't see Jesus through the hypocrites, that, they, that everything gets blurred. And, and it's understandable because we're, we're human, and people bless you, and people can, can hurt us and disappoint us and distract us from, from, and keep us from seeing Jesus clearly. Peter reminds us, we're coming to Christ. He reminds us, keep your focus on Jesus Christ. Keep coming to Christ. Keep your focus on him. Uh, Keep your focus on Jesus and not on the fakes. Let's say it this way. Focusing on the fakes will distort your faith. That's what happens with, with people who say, well, it's just all the hypocrites. I can't go. Focusing on the fakes distorts our faith. It'll blur your vision. You won't see clearly. Don't let a fake keep you from genuine faith. Focus on Jesus, and the fakes will fade away. You keep your, you keep your focus on Jesus Christ, and you, you do that long enough, you won't even see the hypocrites. You won't even think about all the hypocrites. And when somebody does stumble or fall or do something that you think is outside of God's plan, will, or the Bible, or whatever, you'll be gracious towards them. And you won't think, oh, there goes another one. I'm never going back to that place, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Verse 12. I mentioned it when we read it. Verse 12 could be the theme verse of, uh, 
of this entire series. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they'll see your honorable behavior and they'll give honor to God when he judges the world. Peter is thinking exactly what we're thinking. There are, there are things that keep people from seeing Jesus. There are real reasons why people walk away from church or religion or why they, they just won't consider who Jesus is. And Peter says, you know, we have to be careful how we live. We have to be careful how we live. If someone knows that you call yourself a Christian, even if somebody knows that you go to church, but if somebody knows that you call yourself a Christian, you can be sure they're watching everything you do. Everything you do. And now, in the age of social media, you can't even buy a hot dog without somebody saying, what would Jesus eat? <laughs> like, every little thing you do is being, is being watched and commented on for the, whole, for the whole world. So be careful. Be careful how you live. Be careful what you post on, on social media, Twitter, and Facebook. Is it drawing people towards Jesus? Or is it pushing people away? Let's not be, Moncton Wesleyan, let's not be casual Christians. Let's not be sloppy and careless with our decisions. And let's not be convenient Christians, turning it off and on when it's in our best interest. Let's be contagious Christians. Let's be contagious Christians. Let's pursue Jesus Christ with every, every fiber of our being, every ounce of, 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 of stuff that's in us. Like, let's just pursue Jesus with all that we have. Let's crave, as Peter said, crave after him. I just want more and more and more. All I want to do is, is grow and, and be nourished and feed on the goodness of God. Let's crave after him. Let's be, let's, Moncton Westland, let's be so on fire and so authentic, and so loving, and caring, and serving others like Jesus would, that even if people would accuse us, as he says here in verse 12, that even if they would accuse us, still they would see our lives, and our love for others, and our love for Christ. They'd still, still, even if they accuse us, still they would see something different about us that would cause them to draw nearer to Christ. Well, I want to finish this morning with a couple of verses from Hebrews chapter 12. And if the band is listening out back, now would be a good time to come up. Was that clear? <laughs> Hebrews 12, first two verses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight. Peter mentioned four of them in 1 Peter chapter 2. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance 
the race that God has set before us. And how do we do that? Well, he says we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Don't focus on the fakes. Focus on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. People will always let us down. If you focus on imperfect people, you'll never see Jesus clearly. They'll disappoint you. The Hebrews writer reminds us to keep our eyes, keep our focus, keep our hearts, keep our lives set on Jesus Christ and him only. Fix your eyes on him. If you've been hurt by hypocrites, if you've been disappointed by the church, if you've been disillusioned by how you thought Jesus' followers were supposed to act, let me encourage you today. Let me challenge every person in this room, all of us, to focus all of our attention onto Jesus Christ. He is the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, we love you. God, we love you. Jesus, we just, we love you. Lord, I thank you again this morning so much for gathering a, a, a group of people and bringing your word to life right in front of us and, and illuminating it because you are the light. You are the truth. You are the way. And so, God, I thank you. I thank you, God, for the work that you're stirring in our hearts. Maybe, Lord, maybe there are explorers here today and today's the day that they're going to draw nearer. Not, not just take one step closer, but actually cross the line of faith and believe. Wouldn't it be cool on the day that we're talking about hypocrites that people came to faith in Jesus Christ? I thank you for the explorers and their honesty and their integrity. And I pray for them today. Lord, I pray for anyone here this morning who's a, been a poser playing a game. It's a charade. And they just try to look good on Sunday morning to impress others, but the rest of their life has nothing to do with you or very, very little. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to them. And wouldn't it be awesome if some of those folks said, I'm done, I'm done wearing a mask and today's the day I'm going to come clean before God and I'm going to follow him and serve him with the rest of my life. Lord, for others of us here this morning, maybe there's some of us who, who just feel uh, your Holy Spirit speaking to us about these things, and uh, we want to come back to you. We want, we want to crave you. We want to focus on you. We want to be filled completely with your Holy Spirit. God help us. God help us as we continue to worship you here this morning. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together.